is Bloomberg Surveillance. There's certainly a heightened set of risks in the U.S. economy right now, and that's because the United States isn't an island. We're part of a global economy. We're throwing away 8% of GDP on health care in ways that no other country does. The big argument about excessive low interest rates for a very long period of time is it warps the investment pattern on real investment. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, worldwide. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. Bloomberg Radio Plus. Bloomberg.com, particularly for those of you in Germany uh, listening. Good morning. Michael, look at that headline after those very challenging regional elections. Huge turnout in Germany over the weekend. The chancellor says goal remains to reinstate Schengen border system. That is a lonely headline. Well, uh, this morning, Angela Merkel holding a news conference after the election says uh, she is not changing her view on uh, refugees. Uh, she's. Yeah. Not be going to be influenced by the vote. Stick to her course. Seek a European solution. Hans Nichols with some terrific perspective on that this morning. We thank him for his uh, yeoman uh, duties. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning, our Forex Brief, brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best retail Forex trading platform. Visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex, a churn to the market. Dollar, a fractionally stronger off DXY. Yen, 113.63. Euro, 111.28. Weaker Euro. Uh, this morning, I noticed Aussie, the hydrocarbons, uh, the commodity uh, currencies, churning around. Ruble, 70.56. 80 down to 70 uh, within the commodity rally as well. We'll leave it at that. Uh, David Wilson who's trying to figure out if one company is going to end up owning all the hotels. Is that where we're heading? They own the Waldorf for a gazillion dollars. And am I right that the latest is that this group may be going after Starwood? Yeah, that's sort of how things are shaking out. There's one more deal in the mix as well. Starwood Hotels and Resorts Worldwide is up 8% in early trading. The hotel owner received a $12.9 billion takeover offer from a group led by China's Anbang Insurance. And, and they right. own the Waldorf. They bought it last year, and they just made a deal to buy 16 hotels and resorts from Blackstone Group for $6.5 billion. So that's the other piece of the puzzle. We should point out, Starwood's already accepted an offer from Marriott International. That was back in November. Marriott shares, by the way, up 2.5% in early trading. And more on the deal front, you have Fresh Market, the most active stock in early trading, up about 24%. The supermarket chain accepted a $1.4 billion buyout offer from Apollo Global Management. Now, we reported in October that Fresh Market founder Ray Berry was working with Apollo. Berry and his son Brett will keep their stakes in the company. You got energy stocks lower with crude oil down more than a dollar a barrel in New York trading. Uh, Exxon Mobil and Chevron both off about 1%. Kinder Morgan down 1.5%. And uh, Chesapeake Energy down 6%. Just some of the declines that we're seeing. Anadarko Petroleum down 2.5%. The oil and natural gas producer is selling five-year and 10-year notes and 30-year bonds. It will use the proceeds to refinance maturing debt. As far as analyst calls go, you've got HCA Holdings up 1%, the largest U.S. owner of for-profit hospitals, which raised the equivalent of buy from hold of J.P. Morgan Chase. 
Tesla Motors up 2%. The electric car maker raised the equivalent of buy from neutral, Robert W. Baird. And Cirrus Logic up 1.5%. The chip maker received a buy rating in new coverage at Needham. Cliffs Natural Resources up 3%. The mining company said it will uh, restart iron ore production at a Minnesota facility to meet customer demand. One more for you. 3D Systems up 12.5%. The maker of three-dimensional printers reported fiscal third quarter results. And 3D's adjusted earnings beat analyst average estimate in the Bloomberg survey. Thank you, David Wilson. Greatly appreciate it. He's a former chairman of the SEC, uh, Bloomberg LP board member. Arthur, I've got to rip up the script. Anbang Insurance of China's not publicly traded. They have, and you know, you can read an Economist article here, a Bloomberg article there, all of the incestuous relationships with China government officials. From where you sit, if they buy the Waldorf for billions, or they're part of a group trying to buy Starwood for billions, how should American government or finance react? I think over overjoyed. I think the fact that uh, the Chinese choose to find their money works better for them in the U.S. than in China or elsewhere is a great tribute to our economy. I think the government and people of the United States and business community should be delighted to have outside investment in U.S. assets without a question. SEC this week. Yeah. Um, Senate Banking Committee going to hold yes. hearings on a couple of nominations. We've talked with you over the last uh, week or so about how uh, shorthanded the agency is. Uh, if you were on the Banking Committee, <laughs> uh, yeah. ha- having been on the other side, uh, what would be your job interview questions for uh, for the candidates? Well, I would ask each candidate how they ranked the three major constituents of the SEC, our markets, U.S. investors, and corporate finance. Which one of those would be their priority? And my priority, and I believe their priority, and every chairman's priority, should place investor interests above all others. If they don't answer the question that way, were I chairman of the banking committee, I'd have some reservations. I suspect, however, that the present chairman of the banking committee might have a different order of preference. Investor interest would be important, but I think he probably would place the other interests ahead of investor interests. Could Lisa Fairfax or Hester Pierce been nominated 20 years ago? I doubt it. What's different? I doubt Is it, it. 20 better years now? Ag- 20 years ago, they would have been looking for individuals who had some background in securities, regulation, securities law, academia, mm-hmm. uh, rather than the polarization that comes from individuals who were wedded to one ideology or another. Clearly, each of these new commissioners have an ideologic bent, and I suspect this makes it very difficult for the chairman to try to work through consensus solutions. 
That's the secret of a successful commission if they're right. able to work together. We haven't seen one of those right. in many years. Arthur, um, I hate to say it, but Mike and I actually remember what you say months ago. And yeah. I want to bring up something that you said months ago in the heat of whatever the moment was. And I, folks, I can't recall. Arthur Levitt said that the turmoil of our politics is good for the system and it gets leavened out as we move through the year to the conventions and on. We've had a little bit of an adjustment since then, including the absolute Donnybrook of the last 10 days. Can you give our listeners confidence that we'll figure this out by the conventions or possibly that we'll figure it out by the first Tuesday of November? My long-winded answer to that would be <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Arthur, I, I'm honored to ask your comment with your father's public service and your public service and whatever anybody's politics. Where did this come from? I've never seen anything like it. The biggest surprise of my life probably was the Bernie Madoff scandal. But the Trump emergence has, has trumped that. I can't quite believe that the Donald Trump, whom I've met from time to time, uh, is a likely candidate and possible winner of the presidency of this country. But we've survived uh, up to now, uh, and we've lived with presidents that looked great during the conventions and turned out to be inadequate uh, Maybe Trump will represent something different. I think the country's strong enough to endure almost any personality in the mm. role of president. Arthur, thank you so much. Wisdom from Arthur Levitt as we looked at this week. Mike, uh, Arthur Levitt, the former chairman of the SEC, with us this morning. Thank you so much. Mike, my Twitter feed this, this, this weekend was surreal. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but the fact is it was surreal. Yes. There was a point I couldn't keep track of whether it was speculation, rumor, innuendo, or cold hard fact. Well, what's scary is all about the uh, the violence. Folks at Politico did a very interesting uh, fact check of a certain presidential candidate um, and all the things, all the lies he told during the past week. I mm-hmm. urge people to take a look yeah. at that. We are trying to give you perspective away from the... Uh, zaniness or the lack of discourse of it. We thank Richard Huss, particularly this morning, for careful discourse, agree or uh, disagree. Futures negative five, down futures negative 26. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. The Republican and Democratic presidential candidates are getting ready for another big Tuesday with primaries tomorrow. In Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina, and Florida. Ohio is a winner-take-all contest. Donald Trump is hoping to triumph in the state of rival and Ohio Governor John Kasich. Florida is the home state of another Republican rival, Senator Marco Rubio. President Obama could nominate someone to the Supreme Court as early as this week. And the Republican National Committee says it is launching an ad and PR campaign to derail anyone. The president picks to replace late Justice Antonin Scalia who died last month. Authorities say 29 people have been taken to hospitals following a train derailment in southwest Kansas. 
The train traveling from Los Angeles to Chicago derailed just outside of Dodge City overnight. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. The dollar down a stick. Somebody said, what's a stick? A stick is $1.37.50 a barrel. This is jargon-free Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. This month, your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers welcome spring with a limited-time offer on select models like the sporty CLA and versatile GLA, each engineered and priced to move. Visit MBUSA.com today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts at low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are lower after a rally sent the S&P 500 index to its highest close this year. And as investors await further assurances that central banks will continue to support growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 5 points. Dow E-mini futures down 28. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 11. DAX in Germany is up 1.3%. 10-year Treasury up 7.30 seconds. The yield 1.95%. Yield on the two-year 0.95%. NYMEX crude oil down 2.8% or $1.07 to 37.43 a barrel. COMEX gold is down less than a tenth of a percent down 60 cents to 12.58.80 an ounce. The euro, $1.1117. The yen, 113.61. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karabasco, thank you very much. Well, the Bank of Japan is the first central bank this week to uh, announce its decision. We will get it tomorrow, overnight in the uh, in the U.S. John Vale will not be staying up. He'll read about it. <laughs> He'll get the email in the middle of the night. He is, of course, chief global strategist, head of investment uh, strategy group at Nico Investment Management. So he uh, he's paid to keep a very close eye on what happens with the Bank of Japan. Bank of Japan at their last meeting on January 28th surprised, well, I would say shocked the markets, went to negative interest rates, didn't work out very well. Uh, the yen, instead of getting weaker, got stronger. Banks were very upset because their computer systems weren't set up to handle negative interest rates. A lot of criticism uh, for Corotasan. Uh, does that mean they're much less likely to do something like that this time, John? Yeah, so now the consensus is that they will do nothing this meeting and perhaps wait till April. But you never know with Corotasan. He does like to surprise the markets. And so one cannot give a zero probability of them doing anything this time. Uh, maybe it might be as high as 30 or 40 percent, but they probably would not do anything on the negative uh, interest rate uh, front, but concentrate uh, on more uh, quantitative purchases instead. Quantitative easing, or QQE is what they like to call it in Japan, uh, they've been doing it for years now to little effect. Uh, what more can they do? How, how is it go, how's it going to be different if they did that? Well, they might concentrate more on corporate bonds, for instance, like the ECB has done, and that might uh, lower uh, the borrowing rates for corporations and stimulate investment. They also might do more on uh, ETF, equity ETFs, which could uh, 
pump up the stock market. But you're right that there's a, a lot of diminishing returns in some cases, and uh, additional um, uh, QE purchases are not necessarily going to uh, change the, the, the role of Japan. But we have to remember, too, that Japan is not supposed to be growing at 2 or 3% uh, a year in terms of GDP. 1% is probably their normal, so yeah. we shouldn't expect too much. Would you explain to me, and I love this language, companies which are proactively making investment in physical and human capital. This is economic gobbledygook to say we're so desperate we're going to buy equities. The Bank of Japan proposes, I'm not sure they've done this, they're going to go out and buy shares of Toyota and bring them onto the bank's balance sheet. They've actually been doing that for a long time. Uh, they haven't done it for monetary policy reasons, but they've been buying equity ETFs since 2009 or 2010, but very small amounts and not for okay. monetary – their purpose for them buying equity ETFs has all along been just a, a show of confidence uh, and uh, to try to stimulate conf- confidence in the economy and in the stock market. But there's a possibility that they might uh, bump that up into a more serious mode. I mean, we talk about the uproar over negative rates and, you know, buying corporate bonds. I think all of our listeners would find it bizarre that part of QE or QQE or QQQE is is share for Cherry Yellen to buy shares of uh, name the company, Amalgamated Steel. It does seem it it does seem like Alice in Wonderland sort of scenario. Um, uh, Even buying corporate bonds uh, by ECB was is is moving into the private sector. I guess you could say that the Fed buying uh, Fannie Mae bonds in its QE uh, over the last. uh, what is it, uh, yeah. seven years is a form of intervention in the private sector. They were trying to get mortgage rates down, right? But anyway, um, yes, it's possible that uh, equities is, the, is, is a new front for central banks. I mean, Mike, I don't know how to equate equity purchase with all of the variables there that we know and love with negative interest rate in that debate. Is so. Uh, Haruhiko Kuroda on the same page as Shinzo Abe these days? Yes, I think they're working pretty closely together. Um, and they have the same goal, uh, that is to stimulate uh, spending, consumer spending and capital spending. And uh, uh, fortunately, that they're aligned in that regard. How are they doing? I mean, give us an update on real and nominal GDP with Japan. I believe I see a negative 1.1 statistic. Yeah, the fourth quarter last year was very disappointing, uh, especially consumer spending was down more than 3% annualized in the quarter. So, yeah, it's a mixed message, and they're not happy. Neither of those two gentlemen are happy with the way things are going, so they do have a pretty big incentive to... uh, Try for more, and um, I guess it's sort of a, a one-way street. They're not going to give up. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm dealing with a chart, folks, back 30 years of the U.S. with a sloping downward real GDP. Constructively, back 20 years, I can say Japan at least is flat, except it's flat at 0.0. I mean, the, re, the regression back 20 years is a quarterly statistic of 0.6% which is barely growth, right? Um, I'd be surprised if it was that low. That's the, that's the nominal or the real? 
real. That's real. Yeah. Well, it's been slow growth, and uh, the truth is, not many people maybe realize this, is that the <clears throat> potential growth as measured by the Bank of Japan is... As you said, under one. It's, yeah. yeah, it's about one or yeah. less. So yeah. um, with a declining population and whatnot, it's... Uh, it's hard to grow okay. much faster. Let's come back. John Vale with us with Nico as we look at the Bank of Japan, uh, a very central bank week, Bloomberg surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning. I'm Karen Moscow, along with Tom Keen and Michael McKee. And the opening bell is brought to you by SEI. Imagine when asset management servicing is unconstrained by infrastructure. See how SEI's global operating platform can be your catalyst for business expansion at SEIC.com slash imagine. Stocks lower at the open. The S&P 500 down a quarter percent or four points to 2017. Dow Jones Industrial Average down about two-tenths percent or 28 points to 17,185. The Nasdaq down three-tenths percent or 14 points to 47.34. Ten-year Treasury up 6.30 seconds. The yield 1.96 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.95 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 2.9 percent or $1.12 to 37.39 a barrel. COMEX gold is little change down 60 cents to 12.58.90 an ounce. The euro $1.1109. The yen 113.68. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. John Vale with us. With Nico Asset Management, of course, a storied career in Japanese money management and in strategy as well. I've been dying to ask you this question because you're living it with Japan. We used to work in a nominal space, inflation plus real GDP, and then inflation became so big and so distorted, anybody shifted from nominal to real analysis. How do you respond to the idea, since there's no inflation or little inflation, we should shift back to nominal animal spirit inflation plus real GDP analysis. Should we? Well, if you follow the Japanese example, uh, you should look at probably both. I mean, uh, for instance, nominal GDP was running about zero for the last uh, 20 years, but real GDP was positive. And so both are important because nominal was telling you that there was a, a real problem but 1% real was telling you that the economy is growing at uh, basically its potential growth rate. So you have to look at both, I think, and you're right that uh, uh have to study it very deeply. Did we ever figure out who leaked the decision, uh, the Bank of Japan decision last time? Uh, you know, the report came out in Nikkei that they had discussed negative interest rate. I mean, the markets moved significantly before the bank announced its plans. I have no idea about that, whether whether it's uh, what how that happens. To be honest, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if that happens again. Uh, it may be a case if they do nothing, as the consensus is of of what they say, which is uh, what we've gotten into with the Fed these days. Uh, we talked about what they might do, but what might Kuroda say? Um, 
particularly if they don't uh, make any policy change. How does he move the market by um, job owning? It's tough for him um, because he hasn't uh, been uh, forthright, I guess you could say, in the way that he has led the market or has uh, uh, given guidance. And so uh, I think they're looking uh, for action, uh, not words, uh, in terms of uh, potential moves, but he could say, he could indicate something like, as I was discussing before, that equity purchases for monetary policy reasons, for QQE reasons, is on the table. He could say something like that, and that would actually impact, uh, I would say, the the stock market more than anything, but perhaps sentiment in general. One of the great things, folks, of the Bloomberg and the search engine we have is I can get something in my brain and I can find a chart that I've never, ever once looked at. I just did that. I just put it out on Bloomberg Radio Plus. Japanese employment, total employment from the pre-boom 60s, is a straight line up. They added 20 million, 45 to 65, uh, whatever that is, million units. And basically, it's flatlined, John Vale, since all, almost to March. It's flatlined for 24 years and even declined. Is it flatlined because of demographics or is it flatlined because of no economic growth? I mean, the, I know the answer is both. But if I extrapolate out the previous employment trend, which I assume includes a lot of distortions for women, I'm just eyeballing this, folks. I'm going to add on conservatively 16 million bodies is what should have been, which never occurred Hmm. because jobs have flatlined for 24 years. Well, yes, I'd have to put it down mostly to demographics, and it's true that uh, the only reason why – that employed number uh, doesn't uh, fall more is because more women have entered the labor force. I mean, Japan, to a large degree, was a single-family earning uh, country for quite a while. And, and that's shifted now. So yes. you're saying the number, the chart would be worse. Yes. If for the how, how many years have we seen the it, female trend in employment? It's actually trend? only been about. Uh, I mean, it's always been fairly high um, in certain age groups in Japan. It's just mm-hmm. in the uh, child-bearing, child-rearing uh, um, uh, ages for women. It was always remarkably low in Japan because they did stay at home mm-hmm. and uh, rear their children. But now that age group is starting to push up and p- because and Abe and uh, his administration have been trying very hard to push this further to uh, get more women of that age group into the labor force by building new kindergartens and uh, having more flexible work hours, that sort of thing. So uh, I guess you could give him credit for uh, keeping the number of jobs stable in Japan. But you've got to see it falling um, at some point even further because uh, unless they change on on immigration, which I don't think they'll do, um, it's going to be be a downward path. It just has to be. Mike, I'm putting this chart out, Mike. It's a fancy regression chart log of employment. It's just just breathtaking to see. Yeah. What, John, would be the possibility that – Corona does a draggy and throws the kitchen sink at something. Um. It's uh, I think it's small that he will do anything on the interest rate front because it has, as you mentioned, just caused so much trouble, and it is not 
exactly possible to strip out what was cause and effect there. I mean, the BOJ went to negative rates. It did surprise the market. It pushed bank shares prices down. It pushed the stock market down in general because they thought that, you know, uh, the BOJ was panicking. But uh, in the end, um, I think uh, they got what they wanted with uh, lower interest rates uh, on, in, the, in the bond market. So it's not – and then, of course, uh, the fact that the global stock markets went down in uh, early February didn't help, for instance, the yen. I mean, the yen got stronger again for many reasons, not just because they were a uh, negative reaction to the BOJ policy. But, yes, I, I don't think he'll throw the kitchen sink at it th- at this time. And we've got oil prices moving up again. We've got, uh, we've got some mm-hmm. uh, growth in the states uh, uh, picking up again. And uh, so I, I, I doubt that he feels he has to do that right now. Okay, John, thank you so much uh, as we look to BOJ. Mike, help me here. It's tomorrow. Well, Which means it's tonight, like what, 2 exactly. p.m.? Do we know? Uh, no, well, last time was, uh, it comes out, I think, at roughly 10 o'clock our time, somewhere shortly. 10 there. p.m. 10, tonight. In New York. So you and I are three hours asleep. In Tokyo. You and I are three hours asleep. Three? God, I'd like to be four or five. <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, John Vale will be one. We'll let John Vale stay up and uh, get the news for us. <clears throat> Absolutely. But as in, seriously, folks, uh, with our work on economics, the Bank of Japan and the Bank of England and inside it, uh, Federal Reserve coverage on Wednesday. I am thrilled to announce that Scarlet Fu, after weeks of negotiation, when S. Fu will join me and Michael McKee for our Fed coverage. Mike, she played so hard to get, it was an outrage. It's, uh, it was almost like trying to sign a quarterback for the Denver Broncos. It was. It was a lot like it. Scarlet Fu, Michael McKee, and Tom Keene, we will have for you Fed coverage on Wednesday on Bloomberg Radio and Bloomberg Television. The Dow, negative 30. The VIX, 17.01. Time now to check in with Michael Barr. Get the latest world of national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Republican and Democratic presidential candidates are getting ready for another big Tuesday. Primaries take place in five states, Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, North Carolina, and Florida. Ohio is a winner-take-all contest. More than a quarter of the 1,237 delegates needed for the Republican nomination are up for grabs in the five states. Democratic presidential candidates Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders both agree that Donald Trump needs to tone down the rhetoric. Clinton, during a town hall event on CNN, also made a push to use clean renewable energy to bring economic opportunity back to coal country. Now we've got to move away from coal and all the other fossil fuels. But I don't want to move away from the people who did the best they could to produce the energy that we relied on. Turkey's state-run news agency says police detained dozens of suspected militants today just hours after a suicide car bombing attack in Ankara. A senior government official says authorities believe Sunday's attack that killed 37 people was carried out by two bombers. Meanwhile, Turkish warplanes carried out airstrikes against Kurdish militants in northern Iraq. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? And Michael, thanks so much. The two-year yield, 0.96, 10-year, 1.96, uh, very close to 2%. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, Wednesday, Fed Day. This is Bloomberg Surveillance.
Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Flushing Bank. Open a complete business checking account with $15,000 or more and get a free 16-gig Wi-Fi tablet. Visit FlushingBank.com for details. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are slipping from their highest levels this year, led by commodity shares, as investors await further assurances that central banks will continue to support growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P 500 down three-tenths percent, or almost seven points, to 2015. Dow Jones Industrial Average down two-tenths percent, or 39 points, to 17,172. The Nasdaq's down two-tenths percent, or nine points, to 47.38. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.95%. Yield on the two-year 0.95%. NYMEX crude oil down 3.6% or $1.39 to 37.10 a barrel. COMEX gold down 8 tenths percent or $10 to 12.49.70 an ounce. The euro $1.1103. The yen 113.64. Starwood Hotels and Resorts Worldwide, which is being bought by Marriott International, received a separate unsolicited takeover proposal from a group of companies led by Angbang Insurance Group. Starwood shares moving higher this morning up 7.3%. The fresh market is up 23.5%. Apollo Global Management agreed to buy the grocer for about $1.4 billion in cash. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Bloomberg Surveillance this Monday. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Investors Marketplace, an online service where traders, investors, and institutions can meet and collaborate and enhance your trading experience or expand your business. Visit ibkr.com slash services. This has been a terrific day. You know, you know, Mike, Mike and I get up. We, we, get, we Sometimes we get up at 1230, but usually we get up by like 1.30 a.m. And I really thought, Mike, that today would be just deadly. And instead, it has been exceptionally interesting. And Ellen Zentner, with her shift on what this Fed will do, and it's a no-inflation call, partitioned domestic realities versus trade and energy. And she just flat out said, look, trade's not going to be there, and energy's not going to be there. That's one call. I'm not saying I agree with that. But it's this partition. Economists have um, many hands. And there are uh, many different views on many different aspects of it. They all go into making a forecast. Um, it'll be, we're going to have to wait and see on that. We don't think the Fed is going to do anything, but it's going to be very interesting to see what they say on uh, Wednesday, if they're setting us up for a June move or not. And whether or not uh, Janet Yellen tries to keep open the possibility they could do something in April. There's no press conference, and so nobody ever expects them to do something on a meeting yeah. where there's no press conference. In, the, in the, the history of this, folks, and we can go any way you want, but whether it's Richard Timberlake of Georgia or uh, a guy named Bernanke out of Princeton, um, it, it, it always behooves the central bank to wait, wait, wait. Uh, we shift to the realities around the world. Sean Newman joins us with Invesco. We thank Invesco for their support. Uh, Mr. Newman looks at emerging market debt. He's aged over the last 90 days. Um, how is your space? I mean, I know it's a coupon <laughs> space. What, what do I get this morning for buying Brazil? What's my coupon? Good morning, Tom and Mike. Thanks for having me on your program. Well, if you're buying, if you're 
buying Brazil today, you're getting a coupon just over 6%. But just let's take a step back. Emerging markets as a party in the region as a whole, which includes Latin America, Central America, and the Caribbean, is coming off a bit of a hangover. We believe this is related to falling commodity prices, the rebalance of China, slow credit growth, and domestic structural constraints. A good example of this is Peru, where we've seen growth slow by over half last year, and the exchange rate has depreciated by over 10%. What happens from here now with uh, divergence becoming more of a big deal? Uh, because we have seen uh, the, the markets react in different ways, shall we say, to what we might expect. So um, with emerging markets, uh, what happens as we get through this week of very many different central bank actions? Great question. So I think what, what we enter know is that we'll see the phase where domestic demand will do the heavy lifting. We're seeing a slowdown in employment. Consumers are spending less as they cut back on the purchase of imported items. Unfortunately, most countries are in good shape to face the new reality that, guess what, the party is over. They just can't spend as much as they have in the past. The other positive is that exchange rates are no longer fixed. Average inflation is in single digits, and public balance sheets are healthy. When, when I look at the emerging markets and I see a zillion million people protesting in Brazil, there's got to be a huge opportunity within than being on the cover of the magazines. How do you determine when to buy countries where there's protest, where there's emerging market angst and all that? How do you decide when to shift to owning their paper? Well, if we, if we take a look at the region, we broadly define, divide the region into five opportunities. We, we have them fallen angels, special, angel, special situation, rising stars, stable and distressed. We assess them based on overall prospects, the health of the sovereign balance sheet, structural scores, sensitive to commodity prices, as well as China, and the normalization of U.S. monetary policy. So what do we like right now? We favor some of the rising stars in, our, in that region, in Central America and the Caribbean, Jamaica, Peru, Guatemala, Honduras, Dominican Republic, Paraguay, and Panama. You can buy Honduras paper. Yes, we can. What is the coupon? What do, I, I've never heard that before. What is the coupon on so, Honduras? So Honduras, 24th, trade about 30, 20, 35 basis points wide of Brazil, which would make it a, a yield of about 6.8% roughly. What's the uh, what's the, the risk premium in Honduras out of that? Well, the risk, the risk premium on, on a spread over treasury basis, that's about 450 Six basis points over a comparable tenure, and the risk related to the sovereign's outlook is really their commitment to continue pursuing the series of fiscal reforms, which they've been on track for the past um, 12 to 24 months. But we believe that the current government has recently reaffirmed their commitment to remain on this path. And we think that the prospects, um, given their strong trade linkages with the U.S., as well as they benefit from um, this low oil and commodity price environment, that they have enough tailwinds behind them. This is the first time, folks, we've done this. I just put out on Bloomberg Radio Plus the Honduras four-year piece, eight and three quarters, as Mr. Newman said. Would you like to enjoy, Mike, a 12% capital gain while you gathered your 8%? That's not bad. That's not bad. What's the currency risk if I own Honduras? 
Well, the currency is, is freely floating. So, again, again, one of the things that we like about emerging markets right now is that exchange rates are no longer fixed. So the currency has been the natural mechanism to adjust and absorb the shock absorber that we've seen as trade yeah. balances have fluctuated. Let's uh, talk uh, quickly about Brazil. A um, lot of uh, public anger, big demonstrations over the weekend. Uh, what's your read on uh, the likely political outcome and how you're investing that now? Well, I think it's going to be increasingly difficult for President Dilma to distance herself from the Lava Jato investigation, and we don't believe she will serve through her term. As, the, as you mentioned, there were massive protests this weekend in all across the country and even over 17 cities across the world. And we think that this will increase pressure on Congress to proceed with impeachment proceedings. And we believe that this may start as early as May. How did you react? Just one final question quickly. How did you react with the arrest of Mr. Lula? Pardon me? How did you react when Mr. Lula was arrested? Well, I think that's significant. I think it's a testament to the independence of the country's institutions. We think this uh, this has sent a clear signal that no one is beyond the reach of the law. And we think this is going to, again, um, prevent Dilma from bringing Lula into the government, mm -hmm. which would prevent him from being investigated any further. Thank you so much. Sean Newman is with Invesco as we look at uh, interesting stuff. You know, uh, in emerging markets, Mike, I, I, I think it's just always amazing we get people on outside the box, not the Bank of Japan, not the Fed, not a retirement plans, and you and I are looking at a six-year Honduras piece. Um, Never did I think I would do that. You know, of all the things we've learned today, that may be the most interesting. 8% coupon, 12% capital gain off two years ago. I'll and take it's it. held up value. I'll take it. Don't know what the currency's done. I'll have to figure that out later. But that's extraordinary. Mike, line up the central bank uh, ballet this week. <clears throat> Let's go right to Janet Yellen. Am I right? It's a boring meeting, but I don't never buy it. I never buy it. Well, it's not going to be boring. There, there could be significant um, yelling speak that would move markets. Uh, everybody is looking for guidance. And, of course, we get the dot plot, a new dot plot. For the first time in three months, it will be relevant for maybe 24 hours, and people will trade on that. And it's Cochalacota free, right? Well, the last one was as well, uh, since uh, they don't, by tradition, participate at their last meeting. But it's more that it's um, Kashkari involved. Okay. So. Never dull. It'll be great. Michael McKeon, myself, and Scarlett Fu uh, will give you coverage. We have terrific uh, guests lined up. We're not going to tell you who they are yet because it's a movable feast based on our guests' incredibly busy schedules and their real desire. We're just flattered by how it is, people – It is definitely worth your time. Yeah, literally try to change their plane schedules and their business schedules for the privilege of being on with Scarlet Foo. It's amazing. You put Scarlet Foo on, Mike, and just and all the guests change. Show up, yeah. People show up. I mean, that's all there is to it. Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Television, all that worldwide for you. Uh, Wednesday – Bank of Japan, the Fed, Wednesday, the Fed, and then on to the Bank of England as well. We are produced by YUN Ken Fellio, our global technical director. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. <laughs>